Founded in the 1970s, Studio MK27 is made up of a global network of 40 architects and collaborators, all working collectively to develop projects that pay homage to Brazilian modernism. Today, Susie Anetta is joined by two of its directors, Marcio Kogan and Diana Hardomisler, on the line from Sao Paulo. This is the Design Dialogues. It's really a pleasure to be chatting to you both um, this morning for me, but this evening for you. Um, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I thought that I might start our conversation by going back to the very beginning, actually, before you even studied and uh, ask you to tell us a little bit about your paths towards studying architecture and interior design and what led you to do that and where each of you studied? Your, your story is longer than mine. <laughs> <laughs> story began with my, my father. He was an engineer, architect, who designed and built very interesting build, modernist building in Sao Paulo. Similar as uh, Villa Arpel, the house of uh, Mononcle, my uncle, the Jacques Tati film, similar, in the end of the 50s. And uh, at that moment, uh, I knew that I will, I will be an architect. I studied in Sao Paulo during the end of the 70s, architecture. And I opened my office around uh, and the end of the 70s or the beginning of the 80s. Uh, and that's it. I, in the beginning, it was only architecture. And uh, in one moment, we thought or felt the, the need to design the interiors to be a complete project. We're a little bit perfectionists, <laughs> and uh, let's do it everything. And I lived in a house that my father designed the architecture, this extreme modernist house in Sao Paulo. Uh, he designed even the art, mm. the artworks. He designed everything. And uh, I follow him. And uh, with Diana, we began to design the first interiors, improved a lot since then. And uh, at the same time, or a few years later, we began to design products as well. Thank you. And this is my story. That's great. I'm going to come back to the interiors and the furniture in a moment. But Diana, can you tell us your story? Uh, my parents are immigrants. They arrived in Brazil in 52. Uh, I never thought about uh, being an architect, but uh, I had a strong, my, my mother used to work in the center town and uh, I loved to go there. And sometimes we, we, we lost ourselves in the city and she was always uh, very astonished that I could be, 
even I was very young, I, I could find myself by looking at the buildings. I knew uh, how to go to one place to the other because I loved to, to watch the buildings. Uh, I had the, all the buildings in my memory. So I, I think so I had a, I always had this strong relation with the, with the city and the buildings and I, I, I think this was uh, when I start to be an architect as a child. Um, I, uh, I studied architecture and uh, I, I had uh, a difficult, I, I start uh, working in, with architecture and, uh, and in one moment my, my father got very sick and I, I am an only child uh, and he has a, a metallurgic factory uh, in far away from Sao Paulo and I had to, to, to go there and take care of this uh, metallurgic uh, while he was recovering. And then I stopped architecture and uh, it was a terrible time for me. And we used to go to the beach uh, in the end of the year uh, to the same beach. And there was the place where I met Marcio and his family. And we became friends very good friends uh, and one day he told me you know this is uh, you should come back uh, this is not your life uh, come back I, I have a place for you and uh, you, I, I was having my third child at that moment he said you know you you uh, breastfeed him and when you're finished you have only to do a computer um, to, to learn about computers. Marcio was the first one in Sao Paulo to have already computers. And then you, you come there. And at that time, it was Marcio and two other architects. So uh, it, it was really, we were very, very small. Uh, so that's how I came back to architecture. M Marcio saved me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's such a lovely story. <laughs> yes, and I'm very thankful to him because I love what I do. I love where I work, and I really hated to be in that uh, metallurgic factory. I was going, I went there crying, and I came back to my house crying. It was horrible. Oh, that's a great story. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I'm curious to know who you may have been inspired by and, and, you know, any role models that you may have had then and now. Marcio, you mentioned your father, but I wonder if there were anyone, any other architects perhaps that you were inspired by? During my school years, I began to direct short films. And at that moment, I didn't have an architect uh, to be inspired. I liked, uh, for example, Fellini, Ingmar Bergman, Jacques Tati, Andy Warhol. Uh, for me, it's, uh, uh, my world is uh, not architecture, but I had the inspiration of a lot of, uh, lot of uh, different uh, sources, like movies, like literature, like art. And, uh, and after I graduated, I, I discovered that I didn't know anything about architecture. I was completely, completely ignorant. And I began to study. I began my, my university after graduated. 
and I, I began to learn the importance of the Brazilian modernism. And I began to love and understand the importance of it. Uh, I don't know if you know, in Brazil, during the 40s, 50s, and 60s, not only with, with uh, Oscar Niemeyer, but with a lot of other architects, we had a, a very, very strong modernism. And it's difficult to understand because in Brazil, a big a third world country, and uh, it, happened, it was happening a very, very strange uh, or a magical moment that you had a fantastic uh, architecture, fantastic music. And I'm saying these stories around the 50s when uh, the Bossa Nova uh, began and, uh, and the architecture was very, very important. And uh, for me, this, uh, of course, I, I love uh, Mies van der Hoor and very influenced by him, but the Brazilian modernism was very, very important in our country. And I think until nowadays, uh, you keep uh, developing or improving this, this modernism, continuing this, uh, this movement. I want to ask you a bit more about the film inspiration maybe a little bit later, but Diana, could you tell us a bit, you know, were you also inspired by the, the modernist movement in Brazil? Yes, for sure. Uh, and uh, we are uh, at school, at university, we learn about a lot about that. It, it's almost a dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> you so, had no choice. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, but I really enjoy it. I like it very much. But going a little bit to the interiors, I think uh, there are uh, there is something that I love very much about R. Jacobsen and Gioponti. Both of them is this ideology of total design that is designing everything from architecture to decor to tableware to uniforms of the employees to designing everything. So I, I love this idea of having the control of the project because nobody better than us knows uh, everything about the project. So, and have this few, and in Gioponte especially, to have the fusion between tradition and modernity, uh, industrial and hand, hand, uh, hand presidentship. Uh, I think these are uh, characteristics from these two architects that I love very much. Mm. And uh, well, there is, uh, there are many others that I love, but the, the Brazilian modernism is a, an inspiration. It's always an inspiration. Mm, I imagine. But you, you know, during the university, the, this architecture school, I hated the modernism, Brazilian <laughs> modernism, because really? all teachers, they push you to, <laughs> to do the, <laughs> a similar work. Really? Wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wonder if you could describe for us um, how, yeah, your own approach to architecture or interior design. How would you put that into words? For me, both are the same. Mainly in our projects that you have intense uh, uh, integration 
indoors, outdoors. You don't know where, where the architecture finishes and the interior design uh, begins. And this is, for me, it's exactly the same, the same thing. Do you feel the same way about the landscape? Yes, I feel the same way. Okay, we don't design landscape, but uh, this integration of uh, the, this, uh, these things or these subjects is very important for us. Mm, I think that's very clear in your work. But yeah, Diana, how would you explain it? Uh, uh, Niemari used to say, if you don't do the interiors of your project, uh, they can be completely destroyed. And I feel that. Mm. Uh, if someone else comes to a project and he's not part of the beginning of the project, he, he won't understand uh, what were the DNA of the ideas of that project. It's not the same thing. So that's why we, we at, at a certain point in our office, we wanted to have architects that were specialized uh, with the same quality that we have in architecture. They had the same quality uh, in interior design. And now we have, uh, we are 50 persons in the office and uh, I think we have 13 architects that are specialized in interior design to have exactly the same, uh, the same quality between architecture and interiors. And, and it's not a separate group. We work from the beginning together. Mm. No, it's a, a multi-task uh, multi group that is developing the, the, the project. Mm. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about furniture design because the studio and Marcio, you've been designing furniture, particularly, I guess, I'm thinking of the collaboration with Minotti. Um, and I wonder if you could tell us a bit about what's in your mind when you're designing furniture. Obviously, your architecture is very, it seems very open to the outdoors. There's that sort of, as you say, seamless integration between architecture and interiors and then the environment within which a building stands. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about the approach to designing furniture within those spaces. Uh, we, we began to design everything in our projects. And this uh, kind of thing called the tension of some uh, uh, furniture factories. And they invited us to design some products for them. We've never designed this. And I think we, we brought uh, our architecture to the furniture. I think there is... A, it's a, it's a small moment of our architecture in a, a not small moment on another scale of our architecture that you can see in our furniture. And uh, I don't know, maybe eight years ago, I began our collaboration with Minotti and I would design for other companies, but with Minotti, it was a great, uh, it, it, it's not a great moment for us. Now, we, I think we've already designed more than 50 pieces and much, five much or more six collections. <laughs> much more than that, yes. A lot of <laughs> furniture and, and it's a partnership that's going very well. We designed a lot of uh, bestsellers. <laughs> that's good to hear. 
Are you involved in that process as well, Diana? For sure. I, I am uh, the director of interior design and design in the office. Can you talk a little bit about your approach then? I think what Marcio said is exactly what we are doing. Like uh, our first uh, furniture for Minotti was uh, an outdoor uh, system of sofa called Quadrado. Mm. And if you see uh, the base of this uh, furniture of the sofa, it's exactly the Mosharabi that we use in our uh, houses uh, to, to uh, in, in another scale. And if you look to the other uh, furnitures that we design, they have the same uh, thinking uh, like in the structure. It's always very thin and very light to, to give lightness to the furniture. And we are always, uh, uh, this is our thinking when we do architecture to the structure, the, the house is always very light and uh, it, it looks like the structure is floating. In the, in the site. The same thing uh, works for the furniture. And I think I read somewhere that you deliberately keep everything very low so that the view outside is not obstructed. Is that, are there other considerations in mind when you're designing furniture? Yes, for sure. Because when we design our houses, uh, like for example, we want to have uh, uh, a beautiful view from from when you enter in the house, you can all the furniture is in the middle of the house. They are not uh, in the walls, near the walls. So you need to see through from, from the entrance to the other side to see the view, to have this permeability between outdoor and indoor. So if you have a very high back sofa, uh, it, it will disrupt all the idea of this uh, place. So. Uh, that's why we design uh, in, in these comfy low sofas, for example. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, I'd like to go back to talking about film, Marcio, your love of film and the influence of film on your work and obviously how inspiring it is. I, I wonder if that is something that it influences the entire office and can you talk a little bit about how you use film to explain your work and even to promote your work. Uh, during my during my architectural studies, I began to direct short films. And one moment after graduating my first years uh, in my office, I decided to to give a step forward. And direct, uh, I directed a, a feature film, mm. and because I didn't know if I would be an architect or a filmmaker, this thing happened. And uh, after ten years that I had my office, that I began my office, and uh, after a huge success in short films, I had a disaster with the long feature film. It's not true. It's, <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> I, I, I lost. I lost my money. I lost my oh. clients. Okay, I needed to stay out of the office for eight months, and uh, I needed. I needed to begin my life from the, from zero, oh, wow. from the scratch. And uh, at that moment, I. This, I, also, I decided to, to be a, a, 
architect full time. But I like it to do. I like very much. I like the experience, and uh, I brought to uh, to our architecture a lot of things, like uh, teamwork. That's not uh, very common in architecture, and uh, it's very. I brought this for the, our office, and our office became famous now, or well known as a, a collaboration a, a studio. It's uh, this is I brought the the how the the film teams work to to the architectural office. Oh. The other thing was the widescreen. The our architecture is. I love the when this widescreen vision, mainly sometimes from the viewfinder of the camera, and this uh, our architecture, you feel a lot of this kind of uh, wide proportions, a little bit Misianian, <laughs> but uh, it came from the, the movies. Mm. And the other thing was the light, the importance of light. You see in our work, you, you manage the light, the natural light, the artificial light. You have a lot of sunscreens, uh, musharabis, creating the uh, shades, different moments that super related with uh, filmmaking or films. And the last thing, it was how to to create a project. For me, it's very related with the screenplay. I imagine always that I'm a character, character inside of the project, and I live there. Not uh, It's not Marcio there, but someone. And I live in this space, during the process, moving windows, moving stairs, and, uh, and for me, this is a story of a film. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and in the end, our architecture is a fusion between architecture and, uh, and films. That's so interesting. I've never heard anyone say that before. That's really interesting. <laughs> um, I wonder if um, if you often go to see films just to see the architecture. I mean, I don't know if you saw the Korean film a few years ago called Parasite. I think the house in that film yes. became quite famous. Um, <laughs> maybe everyone's favourite character, but is that something that you often do? Yes. Well, there are a lot of uh, very important films uh, about architecture. It's not about architecture, but telling story in an architectural environment, mm. like uh, the film Brazil or Blade Runner, mm. Single Man by Tom Ford, and mm -hmm. there are, uh, Les Mépris, that's the, uh, the content, the Jean-Luc Godard, the story in, in this classic uh, house in Capri, mm. the Grand Budapest Hotel, mm -hmm. Metropolis, there are a lot of films.
I think it's interesting, Marcio, to, to tell how we started doing films about our architecture. Mm, please. No, and after, and after the disaster. <laughs> okay, I stopped filming for years and years. And we were invited to participate or to re represent Brazil in Venice Biennale in 2012. And we decided to, it was the moment to, to return uh, to films. And at uh, that moment, we created a, a video installation called uh, Peep, that I could spy in, in, a, in a peep hole. Mm. what is going on in one of our houses. <laughs> and after that, we directed uh, 10 more films, but they are short films and related with our projects. Mm. It's another moment of a fusion of our experience in filmmaking and architecture, but this time just to show in our projects. There, are, there is in a Vimeo, uh, homepage from Studio MK27, and you can find a lot of films there. Yes, I saw a few of them, actually. I watched them before uh, we, we spoke today. They're, yeah, they're really quite lovely. I love the music. How, who chose the um, the soundtrack to the films that you're directing? And uh, We have a, a friend. He's a musician specialized in, uh, in soundtracks for mm. films and for advertising. He's... Uh, making the soundtracks for us. Ah, okay. Interesting. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to also ask you about travel because I know that travel is often quite a source of inspiration for architects and designers and that often the travel involves looking at other buildings and uh, landmarks of architects that people admire. And I wonder if the two of you do that. Do you travel to see other buildings and other architecture? We travel a lot uh, for, uh, for work, but w wherever we go, there is always this, we try to find a place, architecture to see. We love to do that. It's one of our great pleasures. It's uh, to, to go around the city and find uh, interesting old and new buildings to see. It's, uh, it's really part of our pleasure. <laughs> and do you have any favorites? Are there are particular cities that you enjoy visiting and landmarks in those cities that you love? Oh, Japan was an experience. Uh, there is uh, this, uh, my favorite building actually now, it's this uh, Teshima Art Museum. It, it, can you imagine it, it? It's a museum made for a water drop. It's, uh, <laughs> That's very it's, Japanese. <laughs> very Japanese. It's unbelievable how it's pure poetry. Uh, you cannot see where architecture starts and when where the artist starts. Uh, you feel that it's the same. It's a unique symphony between the two things. It, it, I love this project. It was I was very very touched by it. Very touched. I'll have to go and visit that next time I'm in Tokyo. Ah, yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> no, it's uh, this is very important. It was the air ticket. <laughs> I'm sure. What about you, Marcio? I, I read that you're a big fan of Japan and that you you, yeah. you had a, a, an annual glass of Coca-Cola sitting somewhere in a hotel. Is that, does that yes. still happen? 
it was a tradition before the COVID. Uh. I every Christmas I I travel to Japan for six or seven times, uh, and I and I love this uh, contemporary or the modern uh, Japanese architecture. And I met a lot of uh, Japanese architects, and I'm big, a very big, uh, big fan of them. That's really good to hear. Um, I'm wondering if each of you could describe Sao Paulo for me. So for anyone like me that's never been to Brazil or to your home city, I wonder if you could describe it for us um, from an architectural perspective or a design perspective. What, what does the city look and feel like? Uh, awful. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. You know, some... São Paulo is awful. <laughs> it's dangerous. It's chaotic. But we love it. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, yeah, I've never been to Brazil. I've I've always had a, a curiosity to visit there. It must have. There must be some lovely things. The chaos sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah. this is uh, this is a, a mix of uh, uh, chaos and energy. I can't live now in a very quiet city or too much uh, 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 silent and uh, now I need this uh, crazy thing that's São Paulo. I'm completely addicted <laughs> of this uh, this place with a lot of, lot of energy but with a lot of problems. It's a mix of everything. Mm. Interesting. But I was born here and I love the city. And, you know, I don't know why I love it. But <laughs> I, I love it. Do you have a favorite I think building? Everybody loves it. <laughs> Do you have a favorite building in Sao Paulo? Yes, there are some uh, Niemeyer's project. And one is the Mubi Museum, uh, designed by uh, Paulo Mendes da Rocha. That's absolutely incredible. And the projects of uh, Lina Bobardi, like uh, Seski Pompeia, they are very, very good. She was, the, for me, the most incredible woman in architecture history. Not mm. me, Marcio. <laughs> okay. You. One day. <laughs> what about you, Diana? How, how would you describe Sao Paulo? And do you have a... a oh, it's very idea? much what Marcio said. It's very crazy, it's, but it's very energetic, very alive. Uh, it's for everybody. Everybody that comes to São Paulo, you can find uh, your group, uh, what you like, uh, your interests. You have, uh, well, we are a very huge. How many people we have here now? 20 million? I think 22 so. million. So, My gosh. 22 million to be exact. So it's uh, it, it's uh, it's almost like a country. It's not a town anymore. Yeah, that's the population so, of Australia. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, yeah, can it, you imagine? <laughs> Yeah, so it's a Babel, you know, there are so many people that from all over the world and from all over Brazil. 
so uh, it's very interesting. Uh, in half an hour, you can be in Japan. In half an hour, you can be in Italy or in Africa. You know, you have everything, and uh, this it all mixed up. And uh, it's very alive. It's very energetic. I love Sao Paulo. I really love. It. It's not a beautiful city, but it's a very. Uh, it's alive. This is what uh, makes me love it. Mm, sounds amazing. Um, I have a couple of questions left. I wanted to ask Marcio, uh, I guess, about the beginning of setting up the studio. Um, you said it was the late 70s or the 80s, I think you said, that you set up Studio MK27. And I imagine it's changed a lot since then and it's grown. And I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how running the practice has changed in that period of time okay the beginning was very very difficult i think for all architects it's uh it's difficult to find an art a client that can trust you and that you can do your work and this kind of problem that uh, for me very very difficult to, to deal with took uh, maybe 10 years mm. until the day that we were able to design a good project that uh, appeared in several magazines. And one moment, the life changed. <laughs> and this beginning is very, very difficult to cross. I know I, when I tell the story for my students, they love it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, little by little, we begin to, you know, I, I'm very, very slow to do the things. And <laughs> I like to. <laughs> I'm just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying a mumbling word. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> now we could have an office with uh, 200 architects, but I, we have only 50, mm. 55. But this is the way I work. I go as very, and we grow up in a very, very slow way, very consistent. Consistency is an important word for me. Mm. And our, I, I, we need to have control of everything. I like the precision, the perfection, the flawless project. This is important. This is, I manage this in a very, very uh, slow way for Diana. <laughs> <laughs> slow and steady wins the race, though. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> that's, that's really lovely. I mean, yeah, it's great for you to share that because... I think it probably looks on the outside like you were successful from the beginning, but, you know, I imagine it takes a great deal of patience and perseverance to build yes. a studio like yours. I can tell you, 10 dark years. Well, we're glad that you did persevere. We're big fans of your work. And <laughs> Thank um, you. My final, my final question for you both is what's next? What, what are you allowed to talk about? Are there any projects that you can tell us about that we can look forward to? We are in, a, in some uh, participating in some competitions that we hope that we, we get through. 
uh, one in Italy, one in Marrocos. Uh, where else, Martin? In Portugal. Oh, we're designing uh, several projects around the world, uh, in Spain, in, in Dubai, in, and won a competition to design the Brazilian pavilion in the in Osaka uh, Expo in 2025. Mm. And this is a project that's going on now in our office. Three or four new hotels. We finished uh, Fazano in São Paulo, that's a, a classic hotel in Brazil. And uh, we finished one year ago a, a resort in, in the Maldives. Mm. And uh, some houses. Now in São Paulo, there is a, a, a booming of uh, real estate, and we designed. Three, three buildings, three, one uh, commercial and two the residential, and that's it. That's it. That's quite a lot. <laughs> you sound quite busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> well, that's very exciting, and we look forward to seeing them. So, um, thank you so much for your time. I'm, it's been such a pleasure talking to you both. Thank you, Susie. Thank you very much, Susie.